Thank you for listening to Room 9, my daddy's podcast. Hope you enjoy. If you would like to help Room 9, please visit their support page. You can listen to Room 9 on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to visit our Instagram and Facebook page. Please like it. Room 9, if you better yourself, you better the world. If you have an internal mindset that you can change things yourself and that you need to work on yourself, like you said, I think that changes the way that you interact with the world and it kind of helps you think about how how can you improve? Mm. And I think once you ask that question, how can I improve? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better father, a better a better friend, a better a better son, or you know, daughter, mother, etc.? Um, that's a different perspective for life. And that was the one and only Matt Davies. I have to give Matt a lot of credit for hanging in there with me because I can just tell right off the bat this was a 7 a.m. podcast for me and because he's over in the UK and I just I forgot to record locally on my end. So all I have is a Zoom audio. There's a couple times throughout our conversation I had complete brain farts, forgot what I was talking about, but it was nonetheless a very productive and awesome conversation. We get into archetypes, we get into branding, we get into individuality, personal development, all the usual stuff that I like to steer a conversation towards. So you guys will enjoy this episode, and I will be talking to you next week. As always, I love you. You guys are the best. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the conversations I have in life. All right, y'all. See you later. Peace. Uh, I yeah, Well, I'm from London, uh, moved to Nottingham, and then recently fled Nottingham to South okay. Wales in the UK here. Um, bought a little farm. Um, awesome. So uh, I'm hoping the internet connection stays stays put. I've got. To, I'm, I only just moved in a few few months ago, so I'm still kind of working on the, the internet situation. Like fiber hasn't come to the village yet, or something. <laughs> so apparently that's the big event this year when fiber eventually reaches us. So, uh, but yeah. So until then, I'm kind of hanging on, and 4G doesn't even work in this area. So oh, I'm just like, man. oh man. But we've got 15, 15 acres, and uh, you know a lovely little classic uh, English valley that we're in with hills and sheep and you know the kids <laughs> love it so we feel very thankful <laughs> oh that's amazing here. yeah I'm, I'm jealous I'm, I'm ready for my place my farm in the middle of nowhere I'll tell you that much <laughs> yeah yeah it's all good I mean I don't do much farming but um I'll get much time outside at the moment but um it will it will no doubt happen slowly Cool. So how did you want to play this um, this thing? Are we going to record? And then uh, I can't remember. I think you did send me an email. Sorry. I've, I've yeah, no, no. I, it's it's laid back. I, to be quite frank, this is my, my networking tool. I love conversations. Okay. I love great conversations. I, I mean, I post a podcast every week. I've been doing it for three years almost. And it's really, I can't tell you the last time I even looked at my statistics. <laughs> But, you know, it's just somebody had Gary Vaynerchuk on. Uh, when the hell was it? Beginning of January, I think you it was. Gary V on. Flip. Yeah, That's yeah, which awesome. was pretty cool. I've had since this this year, I've had a bunch of amazing guests, man, and awesome conversations. But I had him on and somebody asked me, was like, so did you see like an up in your podcast? I was like, I didn't really look. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of That's where amazing. I'm at with, um, you know, the podcast. It's just laid back. My favorite compliment was I felt like I was having guests or coffee with you and your guests. And, and that's how I've always kept it. That's always been the vibe. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I love, I think the Just Creative podcast, man. I mean, I've learned a ton from you and Jacob, um, just kind of following your guys' stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to reach out to, to Matt because I just did a podcast with, I said Gary Vee, but Fabian Geyerhalter. He's oh, um, yeah. part of one of his uh, monthly groups. And then uh, Melinda Livesey, I just did a podcast with her, which was awesome. And really, not even really done the discussion of brand and strategy. I mean, that stuff comes up a little bit, but more on the, the, the mental concept of it, right? Because I see, I see such a correlation. It's not a prerequisite, prerequisite to be, if you're a creative, to have addiction issues and mental health issues. But there's a big correlation there, right? I just see that nobody, the creative world, I think really needs that, that boost because generally you're kind of an introvert, you're kind of quiet and you're to yourself. And I see people trying to get in, into brand strategy and it takes a big mental shift, right? You got to develop confidence. You got to be cool with failing. You got to be cool with sucking at some stuff for a little bit and learning from it. And, you know, so it's a big shift. And that's why I've always, that's why I've kind of been into it the last few months, really 
at least as far as getting people on the podcast, all right, I want to hear about this shift, this mental shift. With you, I could probably sit here and talk about Jungian psychology for the whole time, but I'll spare my audience of uh, doing that. <laughs> Whatever, you, however you want to play it. So, do you, are we going to structure this in some way, or have we already started? Oh, we already started. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, oh, we're, wow. we're already going, man. <laughs> I better get my game face on quick then. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I mean, I, so, I mean, I know like you've had a ton of experience in design and all that, but I, you know, I guess you could just start off a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you kind of got to, but I'm, I'm definitely interested in how you, you made that shift from design, that mental shift. Cause I'm assuming you were kind of like, ugh, this sucks now. Why is all the fun taken out of it? This isn't fun anymore. I should be enjoying this. I'm assuming that's where you were at mentally. And had to, you know, well, well, I suppose. Okay, so how did I make the shift? It was out of necessity more than um, more than by design. So, uh, and that's always pretty much been the story of my career, frankly. I guess where to start. So, years ago, I used to run my own agency, which was stressful. You talk about stress. That's crazy. (laughs) I had. uh, I had a, a team of 12 um, and uh, we, we were doing, you know, graphic design mainly, but always sort of more campaign driven work. And we had a, a web development arm. So we had a couple of coders. We had um, some, some core graphic designer, sort of brand identity style designers who would do a bit of animation. We had an accounts management team and, uh, and me. Um, and it was cool, and and it was it was good. I mean, it was stressful. It was good fun, but I cut my teeth in the fire, if you like. I was born in the fire, <laughs> as I like to say. And uh, yeah, but the 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 thing that we always found was, and you know, it was basically this this massive challenge that designers have and creatives have, which is where there's misalignment with the client and the client's teams. So we would find, I'm sure you've come across this, loads of situations whereby the client thought that. Uh, didn't like the stuff client was like this is not working um and we'd be like what like we've hit the brief we've ticked all the boxes like this is this is perfectly reflective of what you told us um and so i always found that there was always always this problem and you know rather than i think you've got two choices when you keep hitting those sorts of challenges is one is to 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 blame everybody else ah it's the client's fault but the other one is to kind of look within and to kind of think, well, maybe we're the professionals here. Maybe we need to do something a bit different. And uh, I had this chap that I employed and he, he was an account manager. And he said, Matt, um, one of the things that he was an ex-corporate guy, right? And he said, Matt, one of the things that I always used to do was, was kind of hold these like kickoff workshops in my previous life. So I was like, he was like, can I try some, you know, with our projects? So I was like, yeah, absolutely. What is this new? This is like maybe 10 years ago or something. I was like, what is this newfangled workshop thing? You know, so I sat in and he, he led this workshop. We, and what we did was we invited, I remember, I remember it to this day, he invited the, the, the client's team. So not just our, so usually we dealt with uh, CMOs or marketing officers, mm-hmm. who was our, usually our contact, he invited them in and the wider stakeholders. And then there was, there was our team. So there was me, I was the creative director. That was the hat I wore at the time. And any designers, any coders, depending on the project. And there was him as the account manager and he led this workshop. And I was like, oh my days, because I just saw so much time was being wasted where we used to, it was probably quite a stupid thing. You've probably got people on your podcast now going, well, duh. But <laughs> what it led to was, was a saving of time. We noticed that we were more profitable. There was less back and forth and we had happier clients and the whole experience was great. So we started building these workshops throughout projects, you know, so it wasn't just at the start. Suddenly then we were like, okay, so why don't we just, we, we, we have, you know, we present concepts in that way as well. And it's more it, kind of, uh, collaborative and again sped up the process loads um, and then we started looking at okay so that's that's the kind of the backstory to, 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 to mm-hmm. workshops but obviously to, to answer your question the other thing that you know as creatives you, you need to really appreciate I think is is the bigger story here right so I was looking at this from usually getting a brief from a client saying we want a new website we want a new brochure we want you know, this thing. Mm-hmm. And the truth is they didn't really want that thing. They wanted to get more sales or they wanted to uh, reposition themselves in the marketplace or whatever the, the thing was. And often when we'd ask the question, well, why, why are you engaging us? What's, what's the purpose of this? And in fact, even if we level it up, just take out this idea of the, the, the project, why as a brand do you even exist? 
What are you trying to achieve? Why should everybody care? You know, why are you different? These are the big questions. They didn't really, they didn't really have the answers, right? And I was like, hey. so all these years, or, you know, for many years, I've just been assuming people did know these answers and that, you know, we were just like, you know, these, these sort of executioners at the end. And suddenly I realized, actually, there's this massive problem in the industry with people actually knowing uh, you know, their brand stuff. And that led me to then go off and research, well, okay, so what does this mean? And, and then I'd get invited in occasionally and have to run workshops on brand. And so I thought I better knuckle down. So I read a shed ton of books. I still read a lot. I think we'll touch on that in a minute. But, um, but you know, and I found, I found that then I could apply the thinking to help solve problems within clients' teams. Um, just real quick, I always say, you know, challenge the brief, ask the big questions. And one of the questions to ask is how aligned is your team on this? Because we found that, you know, back in the day, we would talk to the CMO and they might be perfectly clear on, you know, what's going on, their points of difference, where they want to position themselves in the marketplace, who their customers are. And then we do the work around that. And then they take it up the chain and maybe other leaders would look at it and say, oh, I don't think that's right. And then we'd be like, oh, back to the drawing board all over again. <laughs> Whereas if you just kind of engaged all the leadership team, this is what I found, in that thinking, set the strategy straight from a high level, the principles, everybody's on the same page. You can do some really more, much more meaningful work. So just to sort of finish the story off just a little bit, sorry, I know this is a very long answer no, you're good. to your question. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you're very patient with me. Thank you. Um, but but what happened was, was yeah, that led to um, me doing a lot of sort of brand strategy stuff and then realizing that through a number of career kind of uh, roller coaster kind of transitions where I sold my agency, I then uh, went to work for another agency and I continued my work kind of consulting. I actually got a bit exhausted with agency life and was headhunted mm. by a, a big corporate and went in-house myself for a bit um, and then find myself almost a year later coming out of that experience kind of back on my own and, you know, really thinking, well, where do I add the value? And what I realized was um, I have a skill for, for workshops and probably talking too much, as you can tell, <laughs> and, uh, and a skill to align people and hopefully make the experience really, you know, really pleasant mm -hmm. along the way. And even if we're overcoming some really kind of sticky or, you know, sort of horrible subjects or, or misaligned people, if people are misaligned, like how can we design a way that they can get on the same page without feeling their pride is hurt and they've had some fun along the way. Um, and so basically having kind of looked at that and, and identifying that, and that's a whole other kind of bigger story, I, I decided to go full on in on the strategy stuff and helping leadership teams align uh, around the big questions and, and really working with them in an agile way on an ongoing basis to make sure that whatever strategy we set is, is something that's happening on an ongoing basis within their business. So that's kind of, that's kind of the story. <laughs> no, I mean, there, well, there's so much there. I mean, I love, I, one of my favorite things was when I was 26, I'm 30, how old am I now? 35. And, uh, me too. I, I, oh, look at that. 1985. What a year. <laughs> 85. <laughs> absolutely. In my, in my early 20s, I started, I stopped watching sports. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix me. It's like, I got a lot of things in me I got to fix. So I stopped watching TV, stopped doing all that, and just dove in headfirst, philosophy, psychology, you know, you know, Eastern philosophy too. I love, I'm a big fan of Zen and Buddhism. And, you know, I realized all this, you know, this list of things was coming up, right, that I just sucked at. And I was like, oh, I'm a really shitty person. But as I'm getting into the business side of things, I'm starting to realize Hearing people like, you know, Christo at the future and all these other bigger people are like, all right, but you have to be a good person. You have to work on your individuality as well. And I have found that is there's such a correlation between between the two. And I found businesses are almost like just one giant individual and they don't communicate. They don't know who they are. They don't know anything about what they want to do, where they're going, you know, because so many people walk around, don't know themselves at all. They think they do because they know their favorite color, but they don't. And to get into that, 100%. to get to know who you are, it's a process. Yeah, a lifetime process, right? Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing to see that overlap. And that's what kind of made me, because I used to just think business was all manipulating, lying, tricking people. And it's nothing like that anymore. I mean, maybe there's some people still out there, but really, I, from what I've gathered from so many people, it's just about the exchange of value. It's kind of, it's been such a cool thing to kind of witness, you know, going through, but no, I love your story, man. And that's why I reached out to you in the beginning. Cause I mean, I love the way you represent yourself. I love the way you just seem like a dude. I probably, if you lived around here, I'd be bugging you 
to uh, hang out and hey. let me learn from you all the time. So <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about that, but yeah, if I ever happen to uh, to be down your neck of the woods, let's uh, let's grab a beer or a coffee or whatever you're into. That would be that would be yeah. awesome. But here's the here's the thing about what you've said. I think you're absolutely right. It's so interesting when you uh, th- there's a there's a sort of a, a quite a useful way of looking at things, and uh, I kind of you know think that, that there's some there's huge power in this right so when you look at a brand as if it's a person okay it, you know if you think of a brand so using so here you go let's just sort of just backtrack in terms of definitions because i always find it helpful just so that everyone mm-hmm. knows we're i'm sure you're you're familiar but some of your listeners might not be but i define brand as the meaning people attach to you right it's kind of like the idea that pops into their mind when they when they think about you or your offer or your products mm-hmm. as a collective, right? So that that's what the brand is, and it's a scary definition for some people because you know ultimately what that is is it's uh, it exists in other people's hearts and minds. So we kind of don't have full control over it, and that's the truth. And once business leaders recognize that, you know that can freak them out. So I say, don't worry, don't worry, <laughs> because because I'm in the game of branding with a little ding on the end. And branding is the game uh, and the noble pursuit of trying to manage that meaning. And one way, and this is to your point, one way that's a really great way of of, of helping us and our teams and the complexity of businesses and the, you know, some businesses I work with have hundreds of thousands of employees. How on earth do you get everybody to kind of think of the brand and the, and the best and easiest way I've found is, is to think of the brand as if it's a person, you know, that shows up in the customer's story, the customer's trying to achieve something, trying to get stronger somehow. How do we show up collectively? And, 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 you know, everyone can imagine a particular character or person, you know, some, some of the, and, and even if it's a popular figure, like, so I've got one client and we were doing some workshops and it sounds a bit fluffy, right? And we'll come on to fluff in a minute, but it sounds a bit fluffy, right? But, but it was like, you know, maybe, maybe we're the Yoda of this sector, you know, we're, we're the Yoda <laughs> of this category. Now that just sounds ridiculous, right? It was like a really boring, like tech company and we're the Yoda of the company. Now that just caught like wildfire and everybody kind of connected to that. It was an internal thing, right? You wouldn't go out mm-hmm. and, you know, Star Wars would probably sue you. But the point <laughs> is, is that people, <laughs> yeah, people could, could connect to it. Now, there's power in that. And, and that, become, that comes from knowing, you know, yourself as a brand, as a, as a company. And, and exactly what you say about that, you know, from everybody can connect to that and understand and, and, and have expectations of, of you as a brand, you need to look at yourself in a similar way, you know, and I, I definitely agree with that. You've got to, you know, there's that famous expression, know thyself. And that's very hard to do, um, frankly, particularly when you're younger. And I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I think you have to go through some, some trials, some stress, some, tr- some, some, some problems. Yes, and I think, I think you have to stare defeat in the face and that's when you know where who you are, you know. And and I don't say that with glee, but I say that you know, you know, to to everybody out there who is facing tough times, like stay stay positive because the bad experiences actually can make you stronger. And I definitely believe that. And um, and that definitely has happened to me over the years, and and helped me know where who I am and what I what I'm about, and gives me a bit of confidence in that. And also a bit of humility, I like to think, in that as well, because you know you're grateful for what you've got. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really important. So there's a load of stuff tucked, tucked away in that. What do you think about all that? Oh, yes, there is. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I always wondered, when I was 15, my, my brother and sister died. And I remember... Oh, my goodness. It was probably like long, 10 years... How old were you? Uh, my brother was... What was my sister was 21? My brother was 18. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, and I was 15. I have a younger sister who's six years younger than me. She's still around. But uh, that whole experience, I didn't realize how much that actually helped me in life grow up, not cause drama out of stupid little things to take like, you know, somebody tell your friend you love them because it could be gone at any moment and just, you know, be real and be connect. So that was like almost a blessing, right? In disguise. And, you know, yeah. using those things and tragedy to learn and grow from them, I think is super obviously important. And I realized kind of connecting back to this is, I mean, they're all related. You have to work on your individuality to be better at whatever it is you're trying to be better at, whether that's branding, design, or basketball, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're more self-aware and can get through those, um, those times and those trials, it's huge. If, if we want to get super deep, I think, you know, worldview is so important to mm-hmm. know what your worldview is. A lot of people, um, a lot of people don't think about thinking, right? <laughs> no, so, most of us don't. So, 
so so we just think something and we we don't self-analyze right so we think we know something and then we get all upset with the world when things don't go according to what we think so i mean i, I mean i i have a religious background so you know cards on the table i'm a i'm a bible student i find the bible one of the most fascinating books um it i, is, I yeah. believe uh, i believe in it and uh, you know i'm happy to to you know to, to, to noodle on that uh, you know i know that's probably not the, the focus of this podcast but um but the point the only reason i mention it is because it, it gives a perspective it gives me a worldview that is you know that is bigger than me like there's a being out there that's that is the designer right that is mm. the big designer and 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 i am a small part of his system if you can put it that way you know that coupled with the knowledge that you know the bible basically teaches that mankind ultimately is uh you know is faulty and does require improvement and that we have a natural tendency towards chaos uh and 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 and, and bluntly <laughs> sin and evil right and that's a very different approach i think um because it, it basically says we need it we need to improve ourselves we need to change ourselves and the problem isn't everybody else the problem isn't our background or the circumstances of our life, although they can be challenging and don't get me wrong, I'm not decrying, you know, external pressure. But if you have an internal mindset that you can change things yourself and that you need to work on yourself, like you said, I think that changes the way that you interact with the world. And it kind of helps you think about how, how can you improve? Mm. And I think once you ask that question, how can I improve? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better father, a better, better friend, a better, a better son, or you know, daughter, mother, etc. Um, that's a different perspective for life, you know. And uh, rather than expecting everything to be handed to you, um, and and if you take that into your work life, you know, it gives you a, a kind of a thinking like. You, you know, you're more like, well, how can I add more value here? How can I become better at this job? And you don't expect everything to fall in line just because you thought it, you know, you think about thinking and, and you think, <laughs> okay, I, I, I need to change this part of the process because it failed here. You know, I need to do a, I call it a project post-mortem, which sounds pretty awful, but you know, <laughs> I'll look back over a project even because I now work on my own, right? As a solo consultant. And I'll even look back over my own projects and think, did I handle that situation correctly? Did I advise that leader right? Was there things that really I thought I knew, but frankly, I was just bluffing, you know, in, this, in, in that small detail. I didn't really, I hadn't, had I, have I actually done the work there? Or am I just making assumptions? Sorry, bluffing is not the right word. I don't bluff, but you know, I might make an assumption which gets the job done. And yeah, great. But what if I was wrong? And maybe, you know, was there other ways we could do better? So I think that's really, you know, really important to sort of mindset thing. If we talk, if we go in mindset, that's yeah. that's something I think's um, good. And, and and I say that in contrast to a more kind of humanistic postmodern approach, mm -hmm. which is you know, basically all humans are, are brilliant and no need of improvement, um, which is a worldview. Uh, we'll solve all the problems that, that, that come our way ourselves, you know, and if it doesn't go according to how, you know, we want it to go, we won't look at ourselves. We'll look at everybody else. And uh, that's our opinion. And our opinion is just as right as everybody else's opinion. <laughs> so everybody should fall in line with that. Now, that's a, they're two different worldviews and they actually collide. Um, and if you think well, about thinking, colliding. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they are colliding. So anyway, there you go. There's a load of there's a load. There's of, another uh, load of stuff. Oh my god, we could just go on about postmodernism for another three hours, but <laughs> I will. I'd love to. I'll spare everybody of that. Are you uh, are you by chance uh, a Jordan Peterson fan? Do you know who Jordan Peterson? I, is? I do find Jordan Peterson quite interesting. I mean, um, yeah, I think his approach is is. You know, I don't agree with everything he says. I don't think he's uh, he's, uh, he's he's infallible, but um, I do think no. his approach is interesting. When as he deconstructs society, so yeah, so you've picked up a few things that I said there that's probably come through from 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 his thinking. I've read a few of his books, and yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely find him uh, an interesting character. I find I, I I listen to all sorts of philosophers and thinkers because in branding, right, you need to understand what's going on in the world around you. You need to think. You need to understand. You know what the social justice movement is founded on you need to understand marxism the the the, the world views you need to understand humanistic thinking and mm -hmm. and you need to understand that not 
not in a kind of an intellectual way, but because it plays into your work, right? Because if you've got a brand who's keen to to kind of promote certain things, then you need to understand that because you need to help them achieve what they need to achieve. So that's why I, I, I get interested in that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, Jordan Peterson, Douglas Murray is a UK mm-hmm. kind of thinker. He's very interesting, and uh, and a few of the other big philosophers. But but also, I listen to humanist philosophers, philosophers and postmodern philosophers. Philosopher, yep. I can't yep. even say it. Philosophers <laughs> as well. I guess I'm a I'm an amateur in all of that, though. So and and knowingly so. So you know. But I just find the, the way of thinking very very fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been I've been ripping philosophy apart for eleven years, and I'm still. A complete. I still pick it up half the time and try to read a book by Nietzsche, and I'm like, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> Nietzsche's so, yeah. cool. I, I, yeah, I find it interesting. I do. Well, him and Young are probably some of my favorites. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Young was such a, a huge influence, still is in my life, as far as working on your individuality. That analytical psychology was always been my favorite. Like, like I, I kind of shared with you, um, it was all about fixing myself for a while. And a big piece of that, which I didn't really mention, was I was trying to do all that, which I think is something else that is missing. I was trying to do all that with any kind of self-love, self-compassion, acceptance, and like, hey, it's okay to screw up. And, you know, I I tried to do that originally. Hence, I hurt my back, got prescribed pain pills. And I was like, oh, I don't hate myself anymore for a little bit anyway, (laughs) until you start doing shitty things because you're going in withdrawal. And, you know, it's funny, but (laughs) speaking of that, I guess, is a story. I just I just realized you had a book, uh, Storyadogy. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. The worst title you probably ever get in a book, <laughs> which is ironic to my brand guy. But hopefully, it'll stick in your mind, right? Yeah. So Storyadogy. But that's um, it's here actually. It's just um, it's uh, it's it's basically uh, goes through six steps to use storytelling to help build a brand, and um, and at, at least you know very helpful at the start to define mm-hmm. the meaning, the character, and the story that you want to show up as. Um, and I still use, you know, most of it. I wrote it maybe three years ago now, so I, I probably should write another one now because I've I've moved my thinking on a little bit and um, applied. I've been in, uh, you know, got got different experiences where I've taken mm-hmm. still the, the core of what we've done, but applied it to other areas of business. So yeah, that's that's bubbling away. Anyway, yeah. So you mentioned story strategy. Storytelling is so important. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, I always tell people it's like, oh, we were drawn stories on caves, man thousands of years ago. And it's just been a piece that has stuck with us for so long. I mean, I love it. That's kind of what I've been trying to get at, at the core of things is, all right, we just, if people just share their stories. I think it is something that could not only, you know, change the people's lives, change the world, but even your own life in itself. And I think it's such a huge piece going back to branding and kind of business is, I mean, people just tell your, your authentic, real stories. And so many people are scared to even do that. And I'm, I'm this is big companies too, which is always mm-hmm. just, dumbfounding to me how many people are out there who are not willing to share their story. I think a lot of it too has to do with, I've seen my story over and over and over and over again, and it doesn't seem like it's important and will connect with people. And well, even like me, like saying, telling people my brother and sister died, every time that comes out of my mouth, it's like, dude, are you talking about this again? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you really talking about your dead brother and sister again? Like, who cares? And yeah, you know, but it's just such an important piece. I think when people hear it, they're like, oh, wow you know, somebody who was able to get through something like that and put that out there. And when you can put that out to the world, I've just seen, I mean, even my unsuccessful self thus far over the last three years has been people reach out to me all the time. Thanks for being, you know, just for talking about this. Thanks for being vulnerable, especially you're a man and you're being vulnerable. Thank you for that. And I think that's a, again, kind of bringing us back into the branding world and business world. If businesses could start to do that, more and be more authentic. I think that's a huge piece of it. So what do you, when you, when you're sitting down with companies, CEOs and all that CMOs and all those other initials, what is kind of your like original, how do you connect with them? I guess, how do you get on a real level with them? Cause that's gotta be new every time. And I'm yeah. sure you got to kind of improvise and all that, but I'm just kind of curious of how your, that well, part of your process works. Yeah. I mean, okay. So a few things from, from my side that, you know, I, they tend to approach me now. So I'm quite fortunate because of, of, I don't know, I guess, I guess I'm quite visible. I try and be visible. I try and do a lot of sort of public speaking. And I guess some people will listen to me speak or, or look at my beard and go, nah, <laughs> never, I've never worked with him. And that's fine. I'm not for them. Right. But other yep. people happen to, to listen and they like what you say. And they think, you know what? They love your we've beard. Got a problem. 
we, we've got, yeah, I love the beard. We've got an alignment problem in our business and our leadership team. We need to build a bigger brand. You know, we have ambition for that. Uh, we think we can help, you know, our customers, uh, you know, but we just need to sort of stick it all together. Maybe Matt would be a good, good choice. And that's one thing just to sort of as a side point, people tend to buy people, right? Because exactly what you say, not all people will buy the same person. You know, that's the beauty of it. We, we all come at things differently. I will probably annoy the heck out of some people. Um, and that's fine. You know, you have to be okay with that. You know, other people, I won't. Other people will, will appreciate, you know, what I have to bring. So, and it's the same with everybody. So the thing is, you've got to find, you've got to find that and you've got to be okay with that. Like you were saying, you've got to be okay with, with rejection and you've got to be okay with, with failure because you're always, you're not perfect, right? You're going to always make mistakes. The important thing though, is that you try it. Uh, and that's, the, that's my sort of um, philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a saying I heard, I don't know who said it and it's a baseball saying. And, and so it, it doesn't go down that well over this side of the pond, but it's like the more you get up to bat, the more you're going to go out. So you're going to be out. That's fine. But the question is, are you going to get back up again and go out and try and hit some balls again? And, and, and if you're not, you know, and you give up, well, then you're not gonna you're not gonna get any runs, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna mm-hmm. get any points on the board. So you've got to get up again, right? And you've got to get going. And you, and you know you've got to kind of come to terms with that and move on. Now, anyway, I've sidetracked. Back to the question: um, How do I connect with CEOs? So usually they hear me. They and I I have a I I don't even look at it like sales. I will chat to them about anything, you know, and I'll give information mm-hmm. away for free. I will, I will give you them my thoughts. Um, they might say we've got this problem. I say, well, this is maybe how you could attack that. And oftentimes that gets, you know, I get then asked to kind of come in and maybe run a session. But always before I run a session, a group session, I always sit down one-to-one with all the people who are stakeholders who are, say, in a company, right? And how do I connect with them? I ask some questions. I'm curious. Um, And I tell them little stories about myself. So like you were saying, like, I'm I'm kind of open. Like, what you see is what you get. I don't try and sort of hide too much. I mean, I have private parts to my life, which obviously I don't um, go into and and are necessary. But, but, you know, I I like to think that honesty is the best policy. And the best thing that I find with, with being honest is, you know, you can tell people what you want and they believe that that's what you want right and and they try and help you if they if they're if they're on board so like i had a client the other day and i said well look i want a retainer with you you know this is what i want and this is how i want it to work and you can't say that off the bat but after they'd sort of seen me at work and working within their teams and i was saying this is why i think this is a good idea for you and this is good for me because i get a bit of stability and so on and so forth um but i have other clients and i've got other retainers so i have to kind of structure it this way um what do you think and if you are honest and open about stuff um, and and you build in feedback loops along the way that's the sort of thing you can land so I don't know. It's how do I open up? I just connect. I just try and talk to people as their people. I don't think of them as a category, as a group, as a, uh, you know, a herd of herd of animals. I, I kind of treat people <laughs> as individuals and I try and find out, you know, how can I add value to you as an individual? So even though I might be working with the business, what is the finance team really struggling with at the moment? What are the marketing team really struggling with at the moment? Oh, they, they have a recruitment issue. Well, hey, would you like me to help, you know, put together a process to help you recruit people in? That's the kind of mindset, you know, is that really my bag? I can even say it's not really my bag, but I could help add some value here if you'd like. And that's kind of how I, I'm a massive people pleaser, sadly. So that's kind of how, <laughs> how, I, how I approach things. And, and, and people rep- appreciate that, right? You know, a lot, of, a lot of things I find is, uh, particularly CEOs, particularly high up people, they want to be challenged positively by people who believe uh, in what they're trying to achieve. They don't just want yes people. They want people to be polite and very respectful, but they also want people to kind of understand it. And so I often find just sitting down, having FaceTime with people and asking them with the questions, they actually see value in that, you know? And, they, and some of the questions you might just say like, well, well what are you going to do? You know, where, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I did it the other day and someone said, well, actually, Matt, I have a plan to exit in five years. I want to I sell the business and exit in five years. Great. So does everybody else know that? Do we know that that's what, what, you know, this was a CEO. Do we know, do they, do we know that that's what we're all, you know, that's your bit of, of what we're doing here, you know? And if not, do we need to tell people that? Because then, you know, that makes sense that we're building something that's scalable and replicatable and doesn't rely just on you or on your thinking or on Mm -hmm. your methods. And if we haven't really explained that, that's probably why people don't get it, right? So there's things like that that you need to kind of you need to kind of be quite blunt with people sometimes, but in a nice way. And they have to trust you. They have to trust you. And that's the yeah. that's the thing. So how do you get someone to trust you? Oh man, 
I have no idea. I guess <laughs> you have to keep showing up consistently. You got to keep showing up consistently. Yeah, I mean that's it. Action. That's it. The 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 mouth noises that come out have to match uh, the actions that you do. That's how that's how it happens. I know all about right. building trust with people after you have stolen your mom's purse and from your girlfriend's kids to uh, fix a uh, withdrawal. I know all about having to get trust back again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, man, that is, uh, yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? You can lose it instantly and, and it can take a lifetime to build. But, you know, mistakes, people are more forgiving of mistakes as well when they understand why you've made the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being honest with yourself and articulating the the truth and uh, around that, I think can help. I think the other thing is, is my dad always used to say to me, don't watch what people say, watch what they do, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what we're all doing, actually. Social media whatever, you know, we're watching what we're all doing, you know, particularly if you're in my game in the consultancy game, you know, you have to give, there's this nice little marketing buzzword we use like reasons to believe, right? Reasons to believe. So, so why should I believe in Sean, right? What, why, you know, and you've got to think, well, what reasons am I giving to people to believe Mm. that, that I'm the best or a solution to, to their problem? First of all, what is their problem? And, and, and how do I, how do I give them those reasons to believe? You know, for me, I, I probably, I'm doing less so at the moment, but like, I, I always thought, I always sort of think that telling authentic micro stories about what you're up to and how you're helping people is a good way. And I'll just say something here. When I ran my agency, I was very much under the radar. Like we didn't go for any awards. We didn't, I didn't really talk much about what we were doing. Probably a few posts on some recent work we'd released, but nothing like blowing your own trumpet, I used to think it was quite an arrogant kind of approach to kind of mm-hmm. broadcast what you're up to. Anyway, when I sold my agency and I moved to the next agency, there was a leader there. And he was, um, I mean, he was on like, he was all over the press. He was doing interviews. He was doing podcasts. He was doing, he was everywhere, like broadcasting all of his thoughts on everything. And I said to him, what are you, like, really? Is this like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you talking about that? You know, cause he'd mentioned me or something in something or the other. And I'd be like, why are you telling everybody about that? And he's like, Matt, look, I, I was, why, why have you got a problem with this, Matt? And I was like, well, it's kind of a bit arrogant, isn't it? We're saying how wonderful we are. We're sort of spreading all this, you know, like surely like the work should do the, to, to do it for us. And he was like, no, the work doesn't actually. Here's the thing. And this is what I never forget. He kind of said this to me. He said, it's actually arrogant to sit in a dark room next to your phone and expect the phone to ring because the world knows that Matt Davies is awesome. The opposite of arrogance is actually to say to the world, I think I can add some value here, right? And this is some of the work that I'm doing and expose yourself, if you like, to criticism, to, to people thinking you're a jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> with your beard and so on. And, 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 and actually, you know, you will get criticism and people will think you're, some people will think you're an idiot. But as I said at the start, there are some people that will look at you and think, I could do with that person or I could do with the value that that, that business is, is offering. And um, how else would they know unless you, you blew, if you don't blow your own trumpet, no one else is going to blow it for you, I guess. And you, you know, we grow up thinking other people will, but the truth is, is you have to do a little bit of the blowing yourself. <laughs> That's how I see it. Yeah. You know, it's so, so funny. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say when I just wanted to qualify, when I say blowing your own trumpet, you know, you, it has to be authentic. You can't just be like, I'm awesome. You know, you've got to be like, well, this is some value I added in this circumstance. Yeah. That's the approach, not just trust me. Cause I'm awesome. That doesn't work. Sorry, go on. You were <laughs> No, I was just gonna. I mean, it was really to piggyback off of that. I think there, there is something that, you know, as I have learned over the last three years of really, you know, changing my life and a complete 180 was that you have to, I mean, you, the good people, the quiet people, if you don't make a big deal out of things, if you don't, you know, speak up, you're right. You, that's exactly what you're doing. You're sitting in a dark room and nobody will really kind of notice you. I think we, I think we kid ourselves that um, we're being, you know, humble and, and so on and so forth. And the other thing is, is if you look at yourself and you think, man, like, I don't know if I've, I've got those stories. Like, I don't know. Then you need to, do what we said at the start of this. You need to look at yourself and go, well, how can I improve things? So I am creating more of an impact. I am creating more value for, 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 for the people around me. Because if you're, if you're constantly thinking about that, you know, you're going to have those stories tucked away. Um, You're going to get up to bat more. You're going to put your hand up when someone says, can anyone help me with this? Yes, I can. Is it, is it something you've ever done before? No, but I'm going to give it a go, you know? And if I fail, I'm sorry, but at least I'm here 100%, 110%. <laughs> and, 
trying to solve this problem for you. People would prefer that than, than the people that are like, yeah, I solve these day, all day long. But um, I solve those in my sleep. And, yeah, I solve that in my sleep. But I'm not really going to kind of put myself forward for anything. I'm not really going to kind of talk about it to anyone. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Um, you know, listeners can, can critique what I've just <laughs> said. But I, I've just found it a, a good philosophy to, to sort of uh, approach, definitely for, approach consulting with. Mm-hmm. Um, is to sort of talk about what, what you've done. And, you know, I had a, a, a good friend of mine used to say, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. <laughs> in yep. other words, there's other wheels in there. They're doing exactly the same job, but they don't get no grease. It's only the wheel that is kind of kind of just talking about what they're up to and, and explaining, you know, the value that they can, they can offer and complaining a little bit <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, they, they get the grease. So, you know. Yeah, well, you said, you know, I remember, I think I was probably 13 or something. I just remember being at a restaurant with my family and there was a table behind and the lady was complaining about the ribs. And when the waiter server said, I'm going to get you some more, just relax. And she said, she told the lady across the table from her after the server left, I really liked them. I just wanted to get some more <laughs> and not pay for her. And I remember hearing that as a kid and I'm like, what a douche. But it kind of goes back to that. If you don't speak up, you ain't getting nothing. And it's like, yeah. and you have to put it's yourself true. out there. Yeah. It's like, it's like um, if you go into your review with your boss, right? I don't have a boss now. Well, I do. Every, everybody's got a boss, right? My wife's my boss. But, you know, you go into the review with your boss and you're like, um, they're like, so how have, you, how have you found, you know, the last, the last quarter? You know, and you say, you don't say anything. You just be like, yeah, it's fine. Or you say, well, I really enjoyed it because I did this and that was really great. And I did that and it was really great. And do you know what I'd really love is like for the next, uh, you know, maybe in a, in a year or two, I'd love to move into this sort of process, sort of area, because for me, I'd really, I really find that, that that's a challenge and I'd really enjoy it. Now the manager's looking at you thinking, Flip, this person really is into this. And they've given me an idea of they've, they've been thinking about their thinking. They've been thinking ahead. They've told me where they want to go. And if I like that person, which I probably would because everybody likes engaging and forward-thinking people i'd like to try and help them i, I want to try and help them do that you know but if you just sit there and say that's fine there's n- there's nowhere to go with that right you you literally are just a wheel right don't you're not squeaking and, and i i always think you should squeak a little bit more and from a brand perspective you know i always think that that, that if we t- if we put this in a brand sort of situation a strategic situation the aim of the game is to develop value for cost for customers so that they associate the right meaning with your brand and that you actually not just associate meaning with you, but you actually deliver on that, right? Now, once you've delivered on that, we talk about storytelling, you know, how can you encourage your audience to, to speak about the great experiences that you've put together for them, you know, and that should be encouraged and, and, and we, you know, we should be uh, helping people, you know, we should be on a B2B environment, you know, the classic is let's get down there with a film crew or let's get a zoom call on and let's film the customer case study, mm. you know, let's get some, get some squeaking out of this wheel. They've enjoyed it. Great. Um, we've added value. Great. Let's, let's squeak. You've got to kind of just tell those stories to keep the, to keep the momentum going. And if, if you're not designing that into your processes, then, you know, it's all going to be one way. It's like, listen to us and believe us. Well, we don't do that anymore as consumers. What we actually do is we trust other consumers more like Amazon helped us with that, with the review system. Mm-hmm. First thing we do is we hit, we go, Oh, this looks like a great product but we go to what other people have said. And we, and we always look at like the really negative one star reviews first, like, and then, and then we say, oh, dear, usually that's, that's all there is. Yeah, well, <laughs> most people don't leave positive. Well, that's it. Most, most positive people don't leave reviews. So if you've got high end positive reviews, you, you're doing incredibly well. But yeah, no, and it, it is about believing what consumers are saying. And I think as society moves on, this idea of reasons to believe we can't hide anymore. Like you said at the start, maybe business was all about tricking people and possibly it was um, and a lot of businesses did but that is no good anymore like you nope. cannot trick people technology social media communication has opened things up the power has shifted from the business to the consumer and even to some degree from the business to employees right you've got to have this mm-hmm. kind of transparency across the board and that is not easy to to, to sort of handle so you know, that's, that gives, that gives us in branding a lot of good stuff to work with, but it's, it's, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. I want to be uh, mindful of your time. I didn't realize we we're already talking for 50 minutes here. Oh, mate, I just get excited. That's all. So that's oh, oh, I love it. I, well, I, I knew, I figured we would be uh, getting into some good conversation. So, you know, my last 
little topic uh, that I wanted to touch on is really kind of uh, archetypes. I know I've heard you say that's one of your favorite pathways to really connect with brands and to really kind of, you know, that's a big part of your system, I guess what I'm trying to say. You know, what did, what did that look like for you when you kind of like at least dove into archetypes? Was it, I know you mentioned Jungian archetypes on your, your, um, your website there, but was it diving into like those specific books on like psychology books and philosophy books on archetypes, or was it more of a, the business side of things? I've never, I, to be authentic and honest, I have not looked into anything brand archetypes. So I don't know if there's differences as opposed to the other ones, uh, Jungian archetypes, but I was just kind of curious. I wanted to make sure we touched on that because I'm a very intrigued yeah. by the collective unconscious and archetypes and all that. Oh, wow. So yeah. So how to, how, to, how to answer this? So archetypes, let's just sort of keep it high level for now and then I'll dive in. More than happy to dive in. But why do I use archetypes? Okay, so I think there's two ways to use it. One is a very sort of uh, neuroscience-y, psychological, deep, research-based analysis of big consumer groups, right? So you can do that. There's, there's various scientists, there's very, various neuroscientists that can, can create for your brand, if you're a big enough brand, a test that people can do, and then they can figure out what archetypally is going on in their brains when they come across, across your brand. So that is one whole section of, of marketing, neuromarketing, which is it's on the rise, right? And I don't decry that. But, you know, just to put cards on the table, that isn't really my approach uh, to, okay. to, to, to archetypes. I tend to use it more as an alignment tool within leadership teams. To get them like on the same page? To get them on the same page, yeah. So we've got to try and manage meaning. And as I said at the start, the best way to think about it is the customer's got a journey. They've got a story arch. They've, they've hit a, a point in their story where they need something to get through, to get through the trial or the crisis that's happening or to get to the next stage. So they want to become stronger or they want to become something. So they're on their quest. So when we show up, how are we going to show up to them? Um, and by the way, we are showing up, but there might be other competitor brands showing up as well. So, so it gives you a framework to think, okay, so how are our competitors showing up? And, and then how can we show up in a different way? And in some kind of categories, that's really important because there might not be the opportunity to differentiate through offering, but there might be opportunity to differentiate through the way that you operate, the way that you ex the, the consumer experiences you. So Archetypes. So, so how did I get into it? So I, I think it goes back to maybe, I keep, I keep saying 10 years. It might even be longer, but I, um, <laughs> you lose track after a while, everything I, 10 years. Time, what? Yeah. I, I read a lot of books on branding and I don't know how I came across it, but I came across this concept of archetypes and, um, I thought that sounds so interesting. So I picked up the, the book that a lot of articles referenced, which is called the hero and the outlaw by Margaret Mark and Carol S Pearson. And Sean, if you've not gone into it, even if you just read the first two chapters of that book, that will give you pretty much everything you need to kind of know from a foundational level on how archetypes are so powerful. Anyway, I read that book cover to cover. It's so cool. Read that book cover to cover. And I was like, wow. That is just amazing because what it did was it helped to categorize types of brands and connect them to archetypal characters that show up in stories. So for example, you've got like, I've mentioned the like Yoda, right? Mm -hmm. Yoda is like a sage character. So as soon as in, in any story, you know, there's, there's usually a sage character, the person who is the gatekeeper of knowledge and wisdom, and the hero has to go to that character to unlock some information, which helps them get to where they need to get to, right? So if you're a brand and you're offering information or knowledge or data or, you know, a point of truth, then, you know, you need, you need to take that seriously because if people are wired to as we are to, to understand archetypes on a deep level. You've mentioned the collective unconscious. Perhaps I just, for listeners who out there perhaps are not familiar with that, basically that comes from Carl Jung and, and his conversations with Sigmund Freud. And just lightly, just if I explain like this, because people start to glaze over when you start talking about too much theory. I'm not a psychologist. So, you know, again, amateur at work. <laughs> that but could be why nobody listens to my podcast then. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. Um, so Sigmund Freud, he would he he was talking about the the individual conscious, right? So so we have a we have um, an an uncon an individual unconscious and an individual conscious, and and his basic tenant was we make decisions in our conscious mind because of stuff that's happened in our personal pasts, 
which you know, particularly when we are kids, that then frames the way that we think into the future. And so, if we have you know a particular mental problem now then we should go back in time to unpick why do we feel that way? Why do we think that way? What, what, what was happening in our childhood? And then actually come to terms with that. And then that helps rewire how we make instinctive decisions in the present. Fine. Jung looked at that. And Jung was an expert in dreams, an expert in myths. And um, he had a classical education. And he was dealing with a lot of kind of people and madnesses, as they called it back then. So at the break of the 19th century. And one of the things that he found fascinating was that he would come across patients who would be having hallucinations and dreams, which he could see the patterns of in ancient myths. So like, uh, you know, Greek and Roman and ancient Babylonian myths. So he's like, hang on, this is really weird. This young lad who, you know, who's, you know, uneducated. Um, in, and in those days, you know, that was, a, you know, could hardly read and write, for example. And mm-hmm. um, he's having these hallucinations that connect back to this kind of ancient myth in, uh, in Greek mythology. That's weird, right? That's weird, these patterns. And as he did more and more and more work, he found these patterns and he called these patterns archetypes. And what he realized was he, he actually started, he actually fell out with, with, with Sigmund Freud a few times because they actually kind of met and conversed. And one of the things that, that he was saying to Sigmund Freud is, look, it's not just about your individual experience. There's something deeper because we are responding to these archetypes in a similar way. Like one of them, for example, is like snakes, like across culture, across time, we have like a hatred of snakes, like we can't help it. Mm -hmm. So he kind of said, look, there's something in human nature, like an instinct inbuilt that makes us repulse, like we find that repulsive. And it doesn't matter if you're a, you know, you're living 3000 years ago in Greece or you're living here in, um, you know, in, in Europe, in the break of the 19th century, we have a common way of looking at things. There's like an inbuilt wiring in our brains. He called them archetypes. Now, Margaret Mark and Carol S. Pearson take that concept. And I don't think, frankly, I did ask them, but they never got back to me. But I, uh, in the book, when you read it, I don't think, frankly, that I think it's based on Jung's work. I don't think you can say it's definitely the same archetypes that Jung was looking at. In fact, I've read Jung and he has other types of archetype, but the mm-hmm. concept of archetypes came from Jung and they build on some of his ones and then they look at their own and they build in build it in and map it to consumer motivations. And what they show is, is that different types of character show up to serve customers in different ways. And if the customer need is looking for information, given the example that I've given in the sage, and you don't show up as the sage, you show up as the jester and you're saying jokes and then you're entertaining. It, in, instinctively, you're like, that's not for me. That that's not. I don't want this brand. Like it doesn't have any relevance to me. Whereas if you show up and, and you you know you've got stats and figures and you know you're talking about you know uh, you know theory and methods and processes and you you show up in a particular way, then people are like that seems like my kind of sage brand that I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. And you can do that instantly. So uh, that's why archetypes are so important. And I've only mentioned you know two. Uh, the, the 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 sort of the framework it's actually um, outlined in my book as well. Okay. Um, if you're interested in this, the, the the thing for me is is once people understand, I've waffled a bit, but hopefully you understand what I'm talking about. You can kind of immediately see the power of it because mm-hmm. we're a brand. We're trying to manage meaning. If we show up in a way that people can instinctively relate to, not only through our communication but also all the way through the experiences that they have with us. And, you know, product buying experience, services, events we put on, communities that we build, whatever. If we understand that, and all our people understand that in a really simple way, we're the sage, you know, we're the Yoda. Then, you know, that's a really easy way to manage meaning, to start to manage meaning. You've got to level, you know, you've got to build on top of that. Yep. But you have a really clear human way of thinking about things that's emotional and it's, uh, it's, it's uh, inspirational. And it isn't just, you know, it isn't just... Uh, you know, kind of a tricking thing, you know, you become that thing, like we are the sage. And so we're going to demonstrate that in everything in our culture, in our customer experiences, in our communications, the whole thing. And I I guess that's what just to sort of top off the the story. That's what I realized, like, and that's why I, I really am excited about where I'm playing now, because I get to do that and all parts of a business and all the functions of a business came at it very much from a marketing perspective. And like you, mm-hmm. didn't like this idea of tricking or inauthenticity. So saw so much of that. And, you know, I'm now kind of dedicated to this idea of truth and authenticity within my clients. And I will challenge them till the cows come home, to use an expression, to make sure that we're we're delivering against that. And I guess holding them accountable and myself accountable to my own values. 
Man, that was that, that was a long answer. That w- that was well said. No, it was very well said. I think it's a a great explanation um, on archetype. I th- and I love it once again that all of this is the the overlap of somebody can use this to not only improve their individuality, but improve whatever business they're trying to do or whatever they're trying to accomplish in life. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. It's everything I wanted, Matthew. (laughs) Oh, I try my best. That was exactly, um, you know, my thoughts going in. It's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get them to, you know, I want to talk about archetypes and psychology because just from, you know, hearing you talk, I knew we'd kind of be on this, the same page. So that's really the main reason why I reached out to you. And again, I'm, I'm so pumped for your time. How do people get a hold of you, get your book if they want it, you know, in case you know, anybody's actually looking to do some, some business and has money yeah. who listens to this podcast? Um, I'm not looking for clients right now, but you know, feel free to reach out anytime. Um, my, um, my, my website is mrmattdavies.me and that's Mr. M-R, Matt, M-A-T-T, Davies, D-A-V-I-S, dot me. Um, so check that out. I'm active a lot on LinkedIn. That's my thing. Okay. Um, so, so jump on there. And you can find you can find my book on my website. And, um, you know, it's called Story Atogy. It's on Amazon. So just uh, just just look up Story Atogy, Matt Davies, and no doubt it will pop up. But no, I've really enjoyed um, uh, the conversation as well. And, and Sean, you know, it's, it's important what you say about individual, uh, you know, your individual sort of, personal mm-hmm. sort of journey and and then looking at brands like that because i do a bit with ceos and you know other leaders on personal brands personal branding right the, the principles are exactly the same you know you know what's your purpose why do you exist where do you want to go you know how are you going to get there what are your values what's your archetype as an individual you know when you show up what what value do you add and they're all things that you can look at within before you look at a, a business and a brand without and um, yeah out of interest what uh, you don't know archetypes do you so um, do you know anything about the 12 archetypes yeah oh yeah yeah I've, i have i have a bunch of books on archetypes just i don't have the hero and the outlaw one and I've right. never I've never read anything specifically on brand archetypes, so I didn't know if there was differences. Yeah, no, no. It's interesting because I was going to ask you what archetype you thought I was, and I was going to give you which archetype I think you are. Oh, oh man, that's a good question. I don't, I, you know, I would originally not knowing you well enough, I'd have to go more into the Joker jester side. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what that would have to be my guess. Yeah. Some. Do you know what? I I like to think that I'm like a bit of a magician because I helped to transform things. But then, um, yeah, I did have someone else reach out and say, well, Matt, you know, I hate to say this, but you're actually kind of a bit of that, but you're more of a jester because you, you're lighthearted and, you know, you keep things fun and in the moment. So, yeah, I think there is a bit of that. That's that's fair enough. I think you're I think you're a bit of a sage, but I also kind of see a bit of an explorer in you. Like you kind of on a quest and you're kind of looking to help people get to a destination. And so I thought that's what came to mind when I when I looked at yeah. you. And, you know, if... If one, once you know that, you can double down on that. I don't know how I double down on the jester side of things. I don't know. Maybe I should. Maybe I should just be a little bit more. Try and, trouble is when you try and be funny, it doesn't work, does it? No, no, no. You have to be funny in order to be funny. That's that's the thing, right? <laughs> but I am. I, I find myself most of the time. <laughs> I, I have found I'm yeah, I'm overlap of probably the three. The, and the and the Joker always pops in because I've always I've always used hilarious. dark comedy. <laughs> dark humor yeah. to you know even you know that's all i've always connected with comics like bill hicks you know that's that's funny uh you asked that question it's been a while i don't know if you ever i do the enneagram i've done the enneagram a few times i don't know if you ever heard of the enneagram it's been yeah, around for a while but it's like it's like a, you can do a free one online but it's probably one of the better personality things that i have uh looked into it's e-n-n-e-g-r-a-m i think you can find some for free out there but it was very interesting i got a couple books on that and it was it was fairly accurate so i was you know i was nice. i was impressed with it because i always am like yeah i don't know those those things online things too especially if they're free it's like all right how much can you really tell by these uh 50 questions you just asked me but I mean, it's funny how human beings are so much alike, but so different at the same time. You can almost put us into categories, but yet we're all so very different. Well, this is it. And I think, I think that's a really good point. You know, it's important, uh, as you say, to, I always think it's important to treat people as, as individuals. I think that's a kind of the core part of my belief system. And even though in branding, you have to make decisions that kind of categorize people. I would say the best customer experiences are always the most personalized customer experiences. So, you know, ultimately a one-to-one experience you can create the most value and the most the most kind of connection Mm -hmm. with but you can't do that on scale at scale so you have to think about people 
more like we're here to serve this type of person that believes this type of thing or is trying to achieve this type of thing. But don't patronize people and think they're all going to you know, be <laughs> robots, right? They might only need that thing. They might only need that thing in one small part of their lives. It doesn't mean that they're completely obsessed with, with, uh, you know, with data and knowledge in all parts of their life. But when they come to buy toothpaste, maybe that is something that's a driving force that they want to know about. So mm-hmm. um, you, know, y- you have to kind of keep in your lane and, and don't assume you know, too broadly you know, and categorize people too broadly, but yeah, yep. just a thought. Absolutely. All right, Matthew, I'm going to let you go. It is. Thank uh, you, Sean. It's been an honor. Yes. Thank you. I've, uh, I'm going to stay in touch with you, man. I'm going to reach out every once in a while to see how you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I very much enjoyed our conversation and I will let you know when I'm getting this out. Yeah. Let me know. It'd be, it'd be great. Thanks so much. So, I appreciate not a problem, you having me on and nice to meet you. Yep. You too. I'll talk to you soon. See you, Sean. Peace. All the best.